Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning. It's 9.13 Pacific Daylight Time. It's the 19th day of April 2023, and this is episode 708 of Bitcoin and... Man, you know, I did like, what, it was like an hour and 40 minutes of show yesterday, basically all in one breath, and uh, had, you know, the usual news stuff, the market roundup, and then I put in a big old, you know, a big old section about black locust trees, and some people seem to really like that. I haven't seen anybody who said that they didn't. But, you know, a few people have actually written and said that they're actually going to plant some black locust trees now or propagate them if they can find them on their property. That's really cool. But I got to tell you, one, you know, an hour and 40 minutes of just going hard makes me wonder about Alex Jones. This is a guy who, who daily, now I don't think he does it. I mean, I, I don't think he takes the helm uh, for the entirety of the show any longer, but way back in the day, and I'm talking 2010, you know, 2009, uh, you know, and I listened to him about, I don't know, for about four years. And I just kind of got, I got to the point where I'm like, all you're doing is scaring me to death, dude. <laughs> you're not really, you're not really coming up with anything uh, like as an answer or, or a way to escape some of this crap, which is one of the reasons why I ended up migrating over to things like permaculture, because there are answers there. There really are. It's like, get the hell out of the cities. Go somewhere where people can't find your ass. You know, make yourself scarce. You know, there are things you can do, but Alex Jones never did anything. But I'll tell you what he did do. Three and a half to four hour long shows every single day. I don't know how. I literally don't know. Now, it's not like yesterday's show killed me or anything, but it starts getting kind of hard to talk. It really does. Your brain starts kind of, you know, certain patterns of neurons basically just give you the finger. You're trying to form words. You're trying to remember what, you know, I don't know, definitions of terms and whatnot. And things just have a tendency to turn into a senior moment, I guess. I don't know. But I, I got I to gotta give it up to Alex Jones for being able for years and years and years to sit there and do three hour, three and a half hour shows, five days a week. The guy is a beast. I he might maybe he's crazy as a loon. I don't know. I mean, he's been right about quite a quite a few things. You know, he's gotten in trouble quite a few times. I think he owes the United States government or I don't know the people from Sandy Hook like a trillion dollars or some such BS. I don't. I don't even. I don't even want to get into that one. Just because it's like, I, it's not the Sandy Hook part. It's the, how the hell, how the hell do you come up with a ruling like that? That's like, 
you know, what was it? Uh, Ross Ulbricht and two life sentences plus 40 years for a website. Dude. And if you're one of the guys out there that, well, he was trying to kill someone. No, no, he wasn't. That was all fake. It was debunked in the courts. He is never convicted on that part. It was completely rescinded. The FBI agents involved in that part were lying, and we know that they were lying. It's a matter of public record that they were lying. So if you want to get into my shit about that and say it was more than just a website, it wasn't. It was just a website. And this young man is going to spend, unless we can somehow or another either bust him out of prison, which I keep thinking that maybe we've got to start taking matters into our own hands about shit like this. I don't want anybody to get into trouble, but I don't know what else to do because nobody seems to be interested in getting the young man out of jail. Then he's going to spend the rest of his life sitting in a four by eight. And I don't know what to do about it. I literally don't know what to do about it, except, I don't know, storm the Bastille? Have another Bastille day for Ross Ulbricht? In either event... I don't know how you come up with owing several billions of dollars when you don't have a single billion dollars to pay it, and they know because they have your financial statements. And no, I'm not going to ask anybody to explain that to me because it's it's inexplicable. There's There's no rhyme or reason about that, nor the rhyme or reason behind the sentencing uh, length of Ross Ulbert. There's, there's just, it doesn't make any sense. But be that as it may, I I still, coming back to Alec Jones, how the hell you do three and a half hours a day, every single day, five days a week, 52 weeks a year with maybe a week off, you know, for vacation or something like that? I don't know. I don't know. It's absolutely amazing. So you can call him crazy if you want, but the dude's a beast. Now, speaking of another beast, the elephant in the room, Coinbase. <laughs> I I hinted at it yesterday, and I didn't um, I didn't read it because we were going long yesterday. Um, I do want to read it now that we've got a little digest uh, here from BTC Casey and Bitcoin Magazine. America's largest Bitcoin exchange is indeed considering leaving the country. <laughs> I'm not sad if Coinbase leaves the United States. I'm not. It it just the only thing that that you know that makes me sad about that is that the regulatory environment of the United States hasn't changed. It's not like it's getting worse. It just hasn't changed. It's always been the case that if you want to do business in America or you want to do business from another country with American citizenry, well you're kind of screwed. Because apparently America's really not open for business to the point that even naked mole rat wants to leave. Talk about rats leaving the sinking ship. Coinbase is considering establishing itself in another country should the United States' negative regulatory stance on Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies continue, according to Brian Armstrong. Quote, I think if a number of years go by where we don't see regulatory clarity emerge in the United States, we may have to consider investing more in other regions of the world, Armstrong reportedly said in response to a question at a fintech conference on Tuesday. In March, it was reported that Coinbase 
had been in talks with investors and other interested parties about potentially launching an overseas exchange, the largest cryptocurrency and Bitcoin exchange by volume based in the United States, Coinbase, has faced mounting regulatory pressures and challenges. The company was recently forced to pay $100 million in fines based on regulatory findings that stated Coinbase had heightened risk of illegal activity, whatever the hell that means. In addition, Coinbase recently stated that it may face SEC charges due to potential violations of securities laws. The company has highlighted its trepidation in blog posts that describe how, quote, 1 million tech jobs are at stake in the United States due to regulatory uncertainty, end quote. While some United States states are actively seeking to protect Bitcoin and the right to mine Bitcoin, other legislative bodies see the need for increased regulatory scrutiny and legislation. Coinbase is not the only major exchange within the cryptocurrency industry to face penalties and scrutiny. Recently, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> the largest exchange by volume in the world, Binance, and its CEO, Shane Peng Zhao, were sued by the CFTC after alleged regulatory transgressions. This followed American exchange crack and settling with the SEC in regard to failure to register the exchange's staking product. The industry will likely continue to face increasing scrutiny in the United States as it grows bigger, leading to tough decisions for businesses that seek to capitalize on the wealthy American market but must comply with American regulations. So the Iron Curtain continues to descend across the United States, at least on the borders of it. So, you know, and it's been that way for a long time. But, you know, when you're sitting cozy and you're not really, you know, wanting to find out more about what the hell's going on in your neck of the woods because life is easy, you know, you get complacent and you don't look and you don't seek and you don't. And if you don't seek, you don't find. If you don't ask, the answer is always no. If you don't seek, you're, you will always be ignorant. And if you don't have a need to seek, then chances are good. Yeah, if you're fat and happy and sitting on a leather, you know, couch and watching Netflix all damn day, well, chances are good that you didn't know for the past 50 years, probably minimum, that doing business with an American, if you are a foreigner, is kind of persona non grata. You can't sneeze in the direction of an American citizen if you're a Frenchman, if you're an Australian, if you're an Iranian, for obvious reasons, without the SEC somehow or another being able to screw you with a long arm of the law, even though that these people are not subject to the United States legal system. But they are. And nobody wants to do business with Americans. And honestly, dude, I can't blame them. Would you? If you were going to get tapped from... 1,500, 5,000 miles away, you're not an American citizen, but by God almighty, you did business with an American citizen. Oh my God. Then all of a sudden, what? The USS Ronald Reagan shows up on your freaking doorstep and drone strikes your ass to death? I, this is just a terrible state of affairs. And it doesn't seem like it's ever going to get any better. And it probably will get worse. And the question is, why? Are they really protecting us is that the whole notion that my diapers need to be changed from the time I'm born until the time I get planted into the ground with a headstone? Not that, I mean, I'm going to actually beg to be cremated because the thought of lying six feet under makes me kind of ill. 
that aside, I mean, when even when even the naked mole rats are are thinking about jumping off the ship, you know, shit's bad, right? So answers like I wish Alex Jones had answers. I ain't got none. I, although I do have this tendency to believe that just running away, I've talked about it. I've thought about it seriously. Costa Rica, El Salvador, somewhere in Central America, you know, uh, let's see, uh, what, uh, Puerto Rico, you know, it's possible. But running away just doesn't seem like the best answer. But I don't know exactly what to do if I stay here. And I'm not planning on leaving. I just need... I mean, everybody talks, like right now, the hysteria on the street is reducing your carbon footprint. Probably need to be reducing our, what would you call it? Um, Our human footprint as far as I don't want people to know where I'm at. I want to have the lightest touch on anything that has any identity footprint. That's it. That's what I'm looking for. I've screwed my carbon footprint. I want to reduce my identity footprint. I don't want people to know who the hell I am. I don't want anybody to know where the hell I live. I I just want to be done with all that shit, right? And is that possible? I think it's possible to reduce your identity footprint. Absolutely, I do. How effective is it? I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that you will not be able to reduce an identity footprint if you remain in cities, mega cities, all the way down to, let's say, I mean, even quarter million population cities, no go, dude, 50,000 kind of getting there, but still, I don't know, 25,000. What's, what's the number? What's the number at which point everybody else seems to forget that you exist? Let's, If anybody has really good ideas on reduction of identity footprint, please, for the love of God, let me know. Coindesk brings us the next one. If you're wondering what the hell happened to Bitcoin today, without getting into extreme technical analysis, Coindesk apparently has a little bit of an answer. Bitcoin drops to $29,000 flat in a sudden sell-off. This is written by Shura Malwa for, again, Coindesk. Bitcoin slid more than 3% in 15 minutes during European morning hours on Wednesday, taking the largest cryptocurrency by market cap to below $30,000. Further declines took it as low as $29,000 flat. While the sell-off did not appear to stem from any fundamental reason immediately, an unusually large sell order on crypto exchange Binance and an unexpectedly high United Kingdom March inflation figure of more than 10% may have influenced market sentiment. I, why the hell would you sell into cash in a high inflation? Once you, you get a massive inflation print and your reaction is to go into the inflationary dollar that just got a massive inflation print? I, I, okay, whatever. Also in the mix, a so-called long squeeze. More than $25 million in Bitcoin futures were liquidated. Longs, or bets on rising prices, made up 98% of the positions. Sounds like a whale uh, trying to wag the dog here, man. The hotter-than-expected UK CPI 
may have weighed over risk assets, including BTC, but the gravity of the reaction has been far, far more severe than in other asset classes. Vetli Lunde, a senior analyst at K33 Research, told Coindesk, quote, seems to be more of a leverage washout. Binance OI in BTC USDT perpetuals fell 5.1% in 15 minutes. Effects more severe in ETH with larger liquidation volumes than BTC, Lundy said, referring to open interest <clears throat> or the total number of contracts in the futures market and also to perpetual futures contracts. Prominent pseudonymous crypto Twitter trader uh, 52k skew pointed out that a 1600 Bitcoin sell order, which was worth over $467 million at current prices preceded the dump, which may have initiated that long squeeze quote, 16,000 Bitcoin is unusual in size to be market sold solely from Binance spot. Usually the kind of that kind of sale happens before bad news comes out. Liquidation refers to when an exchange forcefully closes a trader's leveraged position due to a partial or total loss of their initial margin. Large liquidations can signal the local top or bottom of a steep price move, which may allow traders to position themselves accordingly. The slide led to a sell-off in the broader crypto market with shit coins across the board all falling by 5% in the past 24 hours and shitcoin named Saul or Solana losing nearly 9%. Wow. Okay. So yeah, we got washed out, uh, over the, like I woke up to it and I was like going, God dang it. <laughs> and, and I'm not it's, it's one of those things where you don't get mad at Bitcoin. You get mad at the weak hands because it's like, dude, you know, who the hell is holding on to 16,000 Bitcoin and just market sells it. And here's the catch. Is that really, truly a weak hand? Probably not. It's probably a stronger hand than you imagine because they wanted to reposition themselves at a lower price. I don't know. But 80% of the time, it seems to me that that's exactly what they're doing. I mean, that's a hell of a position to sell off all at once. So if you're wondering what the hell you woke up to, well, it's because some asshole on Binance decided to just cut cut and run on 16,000 Bitcoin in a single market sell order. And oh my God, did the uh, people get washed out on that one. So uh, we'll have to see what happens in the rest for the rest of the day and into the weekend. But it is what it is. What do you do? You buy Bitcoin, you hold Bitcoin. And forget BTC price. The Bitcoin mining boom is quietly going parabolic. William Suberg, Cointelegraph. Bitcoin may be struggling at 30,000, but under the hood, all-time highs of a different kind keep on coming. The latest data shows that Bitcoin network fundamentals, difficulty, and hash rate will hit new records this week. Bitcoin's 2023 recovery has been more about just BTC price action, with miners seeing significant turnarounds of their own. As BTC added 70% in Q1 alone, Pressured mining participants saw some much-needed relief after the bear market squeezed profit margins to practically zero. The comeback for miners is evident in difficulty, which, among other things, reflects competition for block subsidies. This has made new all-time highs in the past two months, and this week will be no exception. According to data from BTC.com, the difficulty will increase by approximately 2.1% tomorrow, reaching 48.91 trillion. <clears throat> Additionally, 
Bitcoin network hash rate is also estimated to be higher than ever with raw data from mining pool stats etching a new all-time high of 418 exahashes per second on April the 18th. As Cointelegraph reported earlier this week, hash rate estimates are far from concrete and can be misleading with calls now surfacing to reevaluate how it is measured and reported by those seeking to make bullish conclusions about BTC price strength. However, as the old adage goes, price follows hash and some commentators continue to watch the metric keenly as it drifts ever higher. A key focus is Russia stepping up mining activity over the past year to reportedly become the world's second largest miner in 2023, according to a report in Russian language news outlet Commerçant, I guess is how you pronounce it. While this has led to concerns that government with a majority hash rate share could pressure miners to censor transactions, others believe that the real danger is using that hash rate for its intended purpose. By God, earning Bitcoin. Quote, adversaries hypothetically using hash rate to censor BTC transactions is a distraction from the adversaries usually using hash rate to earn BTC revenue, Pierre Rochard, vice president of research at Riot Platforms, wrote in part of a recent commentary on the topic. A look at the current state of minor balances, meanwhile, shows that on a rolling 30-day basis, BTC sales are increasing. On April the 18th, miners decreased their Bitcoin holdings by 648 BTC compared with one month ago, according to data from Glassnode. The changes are significant compared with sell-offs that accompanied the FTX implosion in Q4 of last year. And it makes me wonder, I see into the article, but it makes me wonder, will we see an announcement from some huge miner that they're adding about half a billion dollars of mining machines and infrastructure and power contracts in the next couple of days? Because that might be an indication of who the hell sold 16,000 BTC because their hands are stronger than maybe we might think. Maybe it wasn't to reposition themselves for a better buy price on BTC and so that they could get more. Maybe, just maybe, they're looking at mining going, dude, we're doing this. Because they know they're going to get all that BTC back. It's just going to be over a longer time frame. And they're going to be doing it in a completely different way than just market buying it after all the rest of the weak, the truly weak hands that are out there get scared today and sell their BTC and we end up at 28.5, 28.250. And I don't know if that's going to happen, but I'm not going to be sad if it does. I'm just going to, you know, buy Bitcoin and hold Bitcoin. Uh, French Bitcoin app Bitstack announces a $2.1 million fundraising round BTC Casey, Bitcoin Magazine, <clears throat> Bitstack, a Bitcoin savings app in France, has announced a $2.1 million funding round. The funding, oh God, the funding comes from a range of investors, including Founders Future, Y Combinator, I, I won't get into why that makes me ill, but it does, and Kima Ventures, among others. The startup will use the funding to expand its product offerings, make strategic hires, and finance customer acquisition efforts. According to a press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine, Bitstack will soon offer its users the ability to auto-invest a percentage of their paycheck in Bitcoin, send Bitcoin between friends, and earn Bitcoin rewards when spending with the Bitstack card, the company said. Bitstack was launched on the App Store and Google Play in July of 2022 and has since onboarded over 25,000 users in France, according to the press release, 
Alexandre Rubaud, CEO of Bitstack, said, quote, We are seeing a rapidly growing interest for Bitcoin in France, with over 50,000, 50% of Bitstack users being first-time Bitcoin buyers. The startup has also seen its numbers of active users increasing by more than 20% month over month, the press release states. Since its launch, Bitstack claims its users have unrealized gains of 30%, despite Bitcoin's downward trend in 2022. Quote, our ambition is to give people a new way to manage their money. At Bitstack, we believe that personal finance can be different, more accessible, more fun, and more transparent thanks to Bitcoin. Oh, thank God. With the launch of our new financial services and debit card, we continue our mission to democratize Bitcoin and create a more open financial system, said Rubard. Bitstack states it will open access to its Bitcoin cashback debit card available for free by the end of 2023. Bitstack cardholders will be able to earn Bitcoin rewards on every purchase, along with additional rewards uh, at select retail partners. Quote, Bitstack is democratizing the use of cryptocurrencies by creating an innovative new savings product that fits into everyday life, said Mark Manassi, founder of Founders Future. Quote, we are more than proud to accompany these ambitious entrepreneurs at Founders Future to help them in their development in France and abroad. Yeah, that whole thing. Let's see, look, Bitstack is democratizing the use of cryptocurrency by creating an innovative new savings product that fits into everyday life. Everyday life. Every, think about that statement and think about where the hell we are right now. Does, does the term everyday life make any sense to you anymore? Everything has been turned upside down. There's a term. The lake has turned upside down. And if you don't know what that means, it's what's called a temperature inversion. Generally speaking, a large lake will have warmer water on the top because it's getting bombarded by solar energy. And as shading occurs due to particulate matter uh, in the water, as shading occurs, as you go deeper, you get more shading because there's more particulate matter blocking your depth as you go deeper from the surface where all the solar energy is occurring. So that is colder. So you got warm on top, you got cold on the bottom, and then you get what's called an inversion. And somehow or another, and I'm not sure if anybody really still knows or has yet to figure out the mechanics of how this works, that shit flips and it's warmer on the bottom and colder on top. It's like the entire mass of water just rotates. And when it does that, it kicks up all the silt off the bottom of the lake and everything gets dirty. And all the water gets dirty. It gets brown because it's kicked up all this silt and stuff. That's where we are. That, that's where we, we're at. So when somebody right now is doing, you know, they're founding a company and they're talking about everyday life, it automatically makes me wonder if they're living on the same planet that I am. And what planet am I living on? A planet where the IMF has denied any involvement in a purported CBDC. You probably already know I'm talking about uni. <sighs> Cryptoslate.com, Mike Dalton. Let's figure this one out. Okay, caveat. <clears throat> this thing was released and it's been talked about since like June or July of last year. Um, it's called Uni. It is a CBDC, but it's supposed to be a universal CBDC so that all banks can use it. 
Well, the news came out a couple of days ago. Somehow or another, it was re- it, it was at an IMF forum or an event that they announced that this thing was done, and they and and this people that I'll talk about in a second have released it to the world and everybody immediately thought that it was the IMF that was doing it. And apparently they're saying, no, and I didn't do it. The IMF is denying any association whatsoever with the fabrication release and control and, or whatever else that goes along with this thing. Uh, Let's read about it on April the 10th. The Digital Currency Monetary Authority, DCMA, announced a central bank digital currency called the Universal Monetary Unit, or UMU, also known as Unicorn. Swear to God, this reads like a shit coin. The IMF has denied all connections to that project, stating, quote, the IMF has no involvement in the DCMA or Unicorn. The DCMA's original press release acknowledges that the IMF has not officially endorsed Universal Monetary Unit. Rather, it says that the IMF has merely reviewed the project's white paper and has not objected to certain project details. Conclusions, or sorry, confusion, around the IMF's ties to Unicorn seem to be due to the fact that the DCMA announced the launch of Unicorn during the IMF's spring meetings. That connection led various sources to suggest that the IMF was directly involved in the assets creation. In an April 10th headline that has since been edited, news site Kitco stated that the IMF itself was responsible for unveiling Unicorn. Similar wording was later used in headlines from other high-profile sites, including Investing.com, Altcoin Investor, and Zero Hedge. Unicorn does not appear to be issued by any central bank, despite the DCMA's purported involvement with governments. The DCMA, despite its name, is not a state authority, but instead claims to work with authorities. Oh, yay! As such, Unicorn, if it exists in a usable form, is more accurately described as a private stablecoin rather than a CBDC. And furthermore, the firm appears to have been founded just years ago. It has few notable connections despite its self-proclaimed status as a world leader. Okay, that's the news out of Crypto Slate. So let's go to this one from, what, what is it? Oh, PR, sorry, PR Newswire. That's it, PRNewswire.com. And this is, wait, hold on. Well, I'm gonna make sure of one thing. Do, 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 I think. Hold on. Dang it. Yeah, sorry about that. I just wanted to make sure that I didn't have an older uh, an older thing. And this is quite old, that what I'm about to, to give to you from PR Newswire. This is from June of, tw- this is June 22nd of 2022. We're, we're almost like, a, a, like, I don't know, three full quarters out from this one. The Digital Currency Monetary Authority introduces a global regulatory compliant framework for broader banking and financial services adoption of cryptocurrencies and digital assets. The DCMA's executive team has been working with governments and central banks on blockchain and digital currency cryptography since 2013. 
Their work has been featured by the European Commission, the United Nations, and the World Economic Forum. The vision for the DCMA stemmed out of a meeting with the People's Bank of China in 2018. Daryl Hubbard, a founding member of the DCMA, was invited to Beijing to meet with the PBOC to discuss the future of digital currencies and aspects of their digital yuan project. Since that time, The DCMA has been invited to review, participate, and collaborate with central banks around the world in their research and development of central bank digital currencies from advanced economies like the European Central Bank to emerging markets like the Central Bank of Ghana. When the Biden administration released its executive order on digital assets, the United States Treasury requested to meet with the DCMA to discuss a digital assets guidance framework for the banking industry. As stated in the first line of the Bitcoin white paper, Bitcoin was not designed to operate within regulated financial institutions. Now, I'm not sure where they're getting that, but whatever. Now that central banks are researching the adoption of current cryptocurrency and digital assets, a new wave of cryptographic cash technology must evolve to meet the requirements of banks. For example, the global banking industry recognizes two forms of legal cash regulated electronic cash and physical cash, which can transact hand to hand outside the banking system. Ah, the horror. Oh my God, the humanity. Bitcoin's version of electronic cash has not gained much traction in retail and commercial banking because it does not cryptographically represent either of the two legal forms of societal cash. Universal Monetary Unit, a subsidiary of the DCMA, Release the standards and protocol for Crypto 2.0 in collaboration with major central banks. The framework is monetized through the Unicorn Network and is available only to governments, regulated banks, and licensed fintech companies. Unicorn is a globally decentralized digital financial services network. Bullshit. In the same way you need an internet service provider to access the internet, you need a financial service provider to access the Unicorn network. Unicorn is a store of value cryptocurrency, is a semi-decentralized network with monetary policies, and will be governed by central bank members of the DCMA. Unicorn was first introduced on the world stage back in the year 2020 when it won the Innovation of the Year Award during Hong Kong Blockchain Week aside Yubi, one of DCMA's fintech digital banking projects. The DCMA targets to launch the Unicorn Network first with central banks and their member banks in India, Africa, and China. The first crypto 2.0, get that, crypto 2.0 global digital banking summit is being hosted by the DCMA July 28th, 2022 at Constitution Club of India in New Delhi. Various officials from the Ministry of Finance and experts from the finance sectors in India will be in attendance. The following week, the African Union has facilitated the DCMA to present Crypto 2.0 at the 2022 special meeting of the Association of African Central Banks, governors in Banjul, Gambia. BitMart has expressed interest in being the first cryptocurrency exchange to list Unicorn. Oh, it has to be listed. The DCMA plans to list Unicorn on crypto exchanges within the next few months. To learn more about DCMA, Crypto 2.0, and Unicorn, visit unicorn.dcma.io. 
Now check this shit out. <clears throat> Here's the this is released by the Digital Currency Monetary Authority. This is their press release from June 22nd, 2022. Their media contact is a guy named, well, is Daryl Hubbard. Okay, well, isn't he the CEO? I mean, honestly, you don't, I mean, something supposedly this big with all these, you know, spines and shit that are connected to all these central banks. And, and yet I'm like, if I need a, a statement, I'm not going to their PR guy. I'm going directly to the CEO, Daryl Hubbard, who can be reached at the following email. Take note of this email address. 339124 at email4pr.com. Did you catch that? It's like a fucking Yahoo account. Are you serious? And everybody is shitting their pants about this uni crap. It's a shit coin. It's the same crap that we dealt with in 2017 with Ripple saying, we got all these connections and they're all lies. Somehow or another, they've got a, like deep pockets and they're able to buy their way in and say that release all these press releases to all these news organizations who apparently pay for play at this point, nothing more, and say that they're working with the World Economic Forum. They're part of the IMF. I mean, it's just like the IMF or the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab's outfit, saying that Lightning Labs is one of their partners. When it was very clear from the outset, when people got pissed off about that, that Roast Beef himself and Elizabeth Stark were saying, we have nothing to do with this shit. They asked repeatedly the World Economic Forum to direct, they directly said, they've called them, they emailed them, they I did all the rest of the shit that they could do to say, we're not affiliated with you in any way, shape, or form. Please take down the little blurb that you put up on the World Economic Forum saying that we are somehow associated because we are not, and the World Economic Forum never did. And people are still pissed off at Roast Beef and Elizabeth Stark and Lightning Labs because they're affiliated with the WEF. And if you buy that shit, then go buy Unicorn. Because that's how smart you must be. Because you will believe any fucking thing that you read as long as it's a, an official press release. Or that the IMF had something to do with it. This is how the people op- these people operate now. This is their level of marketing. It's not our level of marketing. This is not retail marketing. What this is, is a blueprint of how people like Klaus Schwab got to where he is. Nobody knows where he came from. Nobody knows anything about his fucking credentials. Nobody knows anything about what really is going on at the WEF. Yet like Schindler in Schindler's List, he was able to buy his way in because he knew where to put the money. He knew who to give the money to. And all of a sudden, Herr Schindler was a Nazi collaborator of the highest order, making munitions and field cooking kits and anything he could. That it, if it involved molding metal, Schindler, you know, was, was, was the guy, at least according to the movie. And I'm sure this thing was, you know, built around somebody's actual life. But the whole point is, is that that's the way marketing occurs at these levels. We don't operate here. 
because this kind of operation probably makes the normal human being physically ill to even think about engaging in. But these people, they do it all the time. Now, one last thing before we go to numbers is this is the website for unicornnetwork.com or sorry, unicornnetwork.com, unicorn. We're still on the same subject, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not leaving you behind here. This is their official website that they said, hey, if you want to know more, and this is in their quote unquote official press release, then go to this site. Well, this is the site. And it is Digital Financial Services for Regulated Financial Institutions Introducing Crypto 2.0. This is the DCMA's website, all right? And if you read through this thing, it's unicornnetwork.com. Unicorn Network is all one word. It says, the Unicorn Network, it's global, decentralized, secure, the next generation of cryptographic technology solutions and services suitable for global banking and digital financial services. And let's see if, uh, who's the stakeholders? Um, no, I wanna see technology. And then there's, I'm going across the top, solutions. There's services. There's documentation, but you know what's not here is a list and pictures of all the people behind Unicoin. See, I would expect, I want a picture of Daryl Hubbard. I want a picture of their vice president and what they do. And, and I can't get to any of that. I know exactly zip about any of these people. And they marketed themselves so well in such the best place to do it with these very, very focused and strategic placements of press releases and where, like when they announced it IMF, they were piggybacking off of the name, the IMF. They're all scumbags. The IMF is worst possible trash heap you could possibly associate with, but these people do not care. They don't care about their own souls. They certainly don't care about you your soul or your future or your children or anything about your wealth, they certainly don't give a shit. They used the trash heap, the largest trash heap that people can see from all over the globe, the IMF. They used their platform to announce their bullshit. The IMF got hosed on it and now they're having to completely retract and say, we got nothing to do with this shit. And the entire rest of the website looks like a slick, shitcoin website, we've been seeing the same thing since 2016. This is no different. So the takeaway, do not let your hearts be troubled about Unicoin or in like, you're going to hear about this shit for the next week before it dies. And then everybody forgets about it. Go ahead and forget about it right now. You don't have to worry about this shit anymore. Neither do I. Let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities energy got crushed. Probably having the same thing to do with that CPI print because commodities do get crushed when inflation goes up. In either event, West Texas intermediate is down just over two full points back under 80 to $79 and 12 cents. Brent North Sea down two points to $83 and nine cents. Natural gas doing what natural gas does decides to go all in on red at six full points 
down $2.22 per thousand. Gasoline down over three percentage points to $2.66.6. That's the devil number. Metals, <clears throat> gold is down a half a point to $2,008.20. Sorry, Peter. I'm sure that you're licking your wounds there. Silver, however, is up a half a point to $25.39. Platinum is up 0.77%. Copper is down a third. Palladium is down just over two full points. All of your ag is down except for chocolate. The only winner today, 0.4% to the upside. Biggest losers, wheat, two and a quarter to the downside. I got live cattle down over a point. Lean hogs are down almost half a point. Feeder cattle, however, are up one-fifth of a point. Dow is down a quarter of a point. S&P is down a tenth. NASDAQ is unchanged. S&P mini is down eh, a fifth of a point. And real money, as you know, is down, way down, $29,363.33. However, a measly 364,000 BTC were sent in the last 24 hours. Average transaction value is 1.2 BTC. Median transaction value has risen to 0.014 BTC, right at 400 bucks. Block times are eh, slightly high, 10 minutes and 13 seconds. It got 0.13 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and just under 20 BTC in fees overall in the last 24 hours. With a negligible drop in hash rate, we are sitting at 375.14 exahashes per second, which is a far cry from 418 exahashes per second. So the differences between websites and what the hash rate really is, is so confusing that it's no wonder people want to actually look for a different method to figure this shit out. So it is what it is, guys. I just read you something about 418 exahashes per second. And now all of a sudden in the middle part of the show, we're at 375. I don't know what to tell you, man. I'm just, I'm doing my best over here. And so is Doge at 9.1 United States pennies. So it's also dipped just a hair though. That means all the shit coins are going along with it. Why? Because Dogecoin is your shit coin indicator. And it certainly doesn't have $567.7 billion of market capitalization, which is 4.24% of gold's entire market cap. And if you so choose, you may purchase 14.7 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there is 19,350,624.46 of, and the, the oh, 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 and 5,455.6 of them are in the Lightning Network valued at a flat $160 million uh, 74,505 payment channels that we know about. And Tor capacity has dipped to 66.3%. Um, we have, yes, okay, well, this is saying, and this is Clark Moody's dashboard, 1.6% estimated difficulty change to the upside uh, sometime tomorrow, April the 20th, 2023. Let's see what mem mempool.space has to say. Ooh, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. 15 blocks, ladies and gentlemen. We are 15 blocks away from clearing all mempools. In fact, memory usage on general mempools stand at 54 megabytes out of the available 300 megabytes of your default memory setting when you run your own Bitcoin node. And might I add, run a node, it's not hard. Pay the, pay the 100 bucks, 
or whatever it costs to go get my node BTC. Okay. You can start there. It's good. It works. I've used it for years. There are several people that, that do this. You Raspi Blitz, uh, Start9 Labs. Uh, you can go get these things from anywhere. You got an old laptop that you don't use. You can use that to run a node. You just need the node software. But I used to say this all the time and I stopped and I need to start again. You need to run a node. It does. I mean, it's not like you're running a miner. Okay. It doesn't take any electricity at all. How, I mean, it takes like, I don't even know how much my Raspberry Pi uses and it runs my full Bitcoin node and my lightning node. And that's where all my shit happens at. And I'm not racking up hundred dollars, $500 bills of electricity usage for it. It's a Raspberry Pi for God's sakes. You, you flash, you flash a, a, like an SD card, you throw it in there. And then it boots up and you got a node. There's a, like, you configure it by giving it a name, you know, but all the rest, it does automatically. And guess what? You're supporting the Bitcoin network. You should run a node. Learn how to run a node now. Why not? The hell else you doing? I mean, besides it does, once this thing is on, all you gotta do is make sure that it's not failing. I've had mine for like three years, four, no, actually four, four. I can't remember it multiple years and I've had lightning active on it and act and functionally using it for two and a half. Uh, so it, there's no excuse. If I can do it, I know you can do it. And if I get more than one person doing it from this audience, that helps everybody, including me. Now check it out. <clears throat> If you want to do a low priority transaction, it's going to cost you six Satoshis per V-byte. If you want your shit in the next block, it's 15 Satoshis per V-byte. That's 62 cents for your standard SegWit transaction. If you want to open Lightning Networks, now is the time to do it. Again, repeat, if you want to open your Lightning Network channels, now is the time, brothers and sisters. There, I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for mempools in, around the world to clear or get close to clearing so that I might not have to spend a shit ton of money on a very small amount of sats that I've got locked on chain in my lightning node that I need to convert to a channel. And if you want to run a channel with me, I'm not the most well-connected node. I'm not actually all that well-connected. I do my best, right? But I've got like 20 channels. I'm not unconnected. If you want to run a lightning channel with me, look in the show notes. I give you my lightning node address. You don't need my permission to open a channel with me. You can just do it and I'll have, you'll have outgoing capacity. I'll have incoming capacity and we'll see how it goes. And if you don't like it, you can close it down later. You will pay a fee to open. You will pay a fee to close. But I am, if you want to run, if you want to see what it's like and you need a channel partner, I will be your channel partner if you want, right? Okay, so again, my Lightning Node address, which is all you need to do to be able to open a Lightning Network payment channel with me, they're always, they're in everyday show notes now, have been for weeks. Just look below the articles and it will say, lightning node address and that's all you need so do that that's the end of the weather report 
Welcome to part two of the news you can use where we're turning the freaking frogs gay. Alex Jones coming out of me. And I got boosted get grams coming out of me. Thank you. I am now number six. I'm back in the top 10. It's amazing. I ask for help and people give me help. It's the most wonderful thing ever. And if, again, if you do not ask, the answer is always no. So when I ask you for help and you immediately come out of the woodwork and you, in fact, do the thing that I asked you to do, which was to get me out of the top 20 and back into the top 10, you rocketed me all the way up to number six. Number six. So think about doing that for yourself. If you don't ask, the answer is always no. Could be asking for a raise. Could be asking for a lateral move in the company that you're working at. Could be asking to take on more stuff. Could be asking to get rid of some stuff that's on your plate at work. And that's just all that shit at work. Where else can you ask for help? It's okay to ask for help. There's nothing at all wrong with asking for help. It's like, you know, sort of like being the, the woman in the uh, passenger seat. Why don't you ask for directions? Don't be the guy that's like, no, I don't need that. <clears throat> if you're anywhere remotely lost, ask for directions. And it doesn't matter if it's you're on a road trip, on the road, or on a road trip through life. If you don't ask, the answer is always no. <clears throat> Dale Jr. with 20,000 Satoshis. Thanks, Dale. Uh, hashtag NY Times Up. How to play the game? One, figure out their rules. Two, Play them within their own rules. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. Bubba with 15,000 sats. Thank you, Bubba. He says, just because. Colomona, uh, Colomona, <clears throat> with a striper boost, 7777 says, it's okay to read out Colomona at librelief.com. It's my NIP05 address. I wish those addresses didn't look like email addresses. It's confusing. Colomona, like Colomona. They're spelling it different so that I know that I'm pronouncing it correctly. Colomona. Thanks again for your show. Go podcasting. Ow! I wish I had that sound effect from a podcasting 2.0 podcast. I have thought about asking <clears throat> uh, uh, Adam Curry to release that set uh, so that... So Sort of, so I don't know. I, I, I would like to be able to have like the, a couple of the ones that he uses. And of course the, the issue is, it's like, well, why don't you do your own? But there's something, there's something about the potential marketing here for podcasting 2.0 in general that I find, I find it kind of fascinating that what if he at least released like two or three of his sound, well, not sound effects, but basically what's called ISOs or isolates. And he's got one. If you're not listening to Podcasting 2.0 podcast with him and Dave Jones, the guys that actually came up with Podcasting 2.0 in the first place, when somebody gives them like, you know, I don't know, a, uh, <clears throat> a boost and they re they'll ask for a sound effect or, or an ISO or something like that. And many people will say, here's 10,000 Satoshis. Thank you for all you do. Go podcasting. And then he'll hit a button on a soundboard and it says, go podcasting. And if I had that and it was the exact same one, and I did that, and other people were doing shit like that, there, I don't know. I think that that would actually help podcasting 2.0 marketing. And then later on, we can get all creative and do all of our own shit. 
But uh, if you happen to know Adam, ask him what he thinks about releasing some of his uh, WAV files and ISOs for that kind of thing. I think that would be cool as shit. And now I got letters. <clears throat> Letter 6173 with a striper boost says, do push-ups, eat meat, homeschool, and only drink clear liquors. These are the things you can do to improve your quality of life. Fatoshi with 3333 says, I meant to give you some shit in a boost and accidentally gave it to Odell. <laughs> Happened to hear him read it, which was surreal for him and for me. <laughs> oh my God, how awesome. I love it. Oh God, somebody clipped that for me and sent it. Uh, Itsy Bitsy Hodel, 500 sat says, black, black locust trees for the win. Doing some pre-planning for planting trees on my five acre property and you dropped this nugget. Thanks for the enlightenment. Dude, you're welcome. Uh, Henry, what? Henry GQJ 500 says, attempting to dig out a customer's black locust while listening to you talk about them. Wow. Phytophthora uh, root rot snuck in and killed the thing. Oh, shit. Even if, there are usually, even if they are usually hard as nails plants with some biology to prevent this kind of thing happening. Yeah, heavy biology with a huge diversity of critters like bacteria, fungi, snails, um, different sets of nematodes, all manner of shit needs to be down there, but it can't, it can't be lopsided, right? So the, the, the best way to make sure that your shit's not lopsided in the soil is the more organic matter that you can get into the soil, the better. So when you're planting a tree, I've seen this here. Here's the thing. This, there's a way that I plant trees versus a way other people plant trees. And other people plant trees like this. They like, and, and my experience is from Texas. Heavy clay soils in from Midland all the way up to Amarillo and pretty much all the way up and uh, all the way over until you get to I-35, in which case it turns to caliche and shit like that. But mostly I dealt with heavy clay soil, not a whole lot of organic matter left in them. Dig a hole and with like a, with a shovel or a post hole digger, you can do that too. And then you just drop the root bundle in there and then cover it up with the shit that you uh, pulled out. That's the wrong way to plant a tree, especially when it comes to high heat, low moisture, and heavy clay soils. So what do you do? You dig the hole a hell of a lot bigger than the root ball requires. You dig it a hell of a lot deeper than the root ball requires. And then you throw in, in my case, for this peach tree that I planted in Canyon, Texas, in the backyard of my house, which is never going to die probably. It even had a massive dead tree fall on it and it took off one third of it and it was fine. <laughs> it, it's fine. I mean, it's only it's still in the sapling phase as far as I know, unless the assholes that bought my house pulled out all the trees, which wouldn't surprise me. I know I won't explain why people are stupid, but I threw in 55, uh, I don't know. I threw in a full 35 gallons of homemade biochar that had been sitting in water being infused with human pee. Not, not total, okay? Dilute. Diluted human pee, right? Because that char helps charge the biochar. You don't want to put uncharged biochar in the soil. But I threw that in there and layered it with clay and then threw some more in there and then layered it with clay and then threw some more until I got it to where there was like, I wasn't going to cover up 
the crown, which is where the where the shaft of the of the tree sapling meets its root ball, there's a transition zone. You do not want the transition zone completely beneath the soil. You want it right at the soil level. If you do the other, you risk really infecting that tree. If you get the soil up above the crown, up above the what's called the root flare or crown, the other people, depending on what you use, you if you get it, the soil level up above that, you risk killing that tree, right? So once I got the level of biochar and clay and some compost and stuff like that mixed in, and you don't have to have a, a, a recipe for this, guys. The tree will figure it out, I promise. Then you then you layer what you pulled out on top of that, and then you make you can make a well. But the best you can make a, a water well, which is that ring of you know a dam around the whole tree, so that you, water stays in there. You can do that, but honestly, mulch the shit out of it. You can mulch it with dead grass as long as it's away from the from the trunk of the sapling. You can mulch it with dead grass, which is a really good weed suppressant. I use dead grass, wood chips, uh, like leaves, anything that I could freaking find. And when I mean mulch, I don't mean an inch and I don't mean two and I don't mean three. I mean five inches of mulch and way like however far the, uh, the drip line is, you need to double that in the radius of this thing. That will do more for the growth of that tree than anything else that you can do to that tree, other than putting it in a hole that is going to let that root ball really develop. If you just take a post hole digger and dig down and shove a sapling in there, good luck. That tree is not going to be happy, especially if you do it anywhere close to the panhandle of Texas. Now, uh, I got Nick underscore dose with 369 says cheers and Bitkus with 100 says boost. That's another podcasting 2.0 ISO that I try to do, but I don't do it well. Now let's do this one. A hacker has stolen $10 million in Ethereum and no one knows how decrypt Matt DeSalvo is going to tell us all about this little one. A $10 million hack targeting sophisticated crypto users has top security experts baffled. Taylor Monahan, former CEO and founder of Ethereum wallet manager MyCrypto, said on Twitter Tuesday that over 5,000 in ETH had been stolen since December. Okay, so we're like a quarter and a half away from that. That's over $10.4 million worth of that crypto at today's prices. The worrying part, it hit hardware wallets of users who prioritized security, according to Monahan. I'm going to pause. This is all about Ethereum. This has nothing to do with Bitcoin, right? A hardware wallet is involved or hardware wallets are involved. Don't freak out. But there's, there's an object lesson here. Okay, so just bear with me. If you already, you know, shit your drawers, go ahead and change them and throw them in the wash and clean yourself up. Okay, so just carry on. Don't freak out. Quote, for the past 48 hours, I've been unwinding a massive wallet draining operation, wrote Monahan, who joined MetaMask after my crypto was acquired by the crypto wallet's parent company, Consensus, last year. Quote, folks are those who are most, or sorry, Folks 
are those who are more crypto native than most and reasonably secure or hit by the draining of funds that she tweeted. In other words, these aren't crypto newbies clicking on obvious phishing attacks that are being drained. The attack is far more sophisticated and that, and, sorry, the attack is far more sophisticated than that. God Lord, I'm having all kinds of problems already today. And it's OGs who are being wrecked, Monahan explains, and no one knows how. The security team behind popular crypto wallet MetaMask told Decrypt that the unidentified exploit hit crypto users, including, but not limited to, MetaMask users. Quote, the on-chain behavior heavily suggests a private key compromise, they said. Quote, what current investigations are showing is that it seems that this specific attack vector is pointing towards these users' secret recovery phrases being compromised somewhere down the line, likely due to unintentionally insecure storage of said phrase. Private keys are used by crypto users to access their funds stored in a wallet, be it digital or physical, in authorized transactions. Monahan also said that the attack targeted funds held on wallets created from 2014 to 2022. Quote, my best guess right now is that someone has got themselves a fat cache of data from one over one year ago and is meth methodically draining the keys as they parse them for the treasure trove, Monahan tweeted. She emphasized that, however, this is only a guess, and no one yet has been able to determine the source of their compromise. Her best advice? Quote, please don't keep all your assets in a single key or secret phrase for years. MetaMask security team added that in order to protect funds, users must not store their private keys anywhere online or in any internet-enabled device. Quote, if you ever get to the point where your wallet is so old that you can't remember if you've been 100% diligent with its keys at all times, then consider creating a new wallet. That's the end of the article. And that's good advice. Even though it's coming out of a complete shitcoin debacle, as usual, it doesn't mean that it doesn't apply to you and your Bitcoin. And this really goes for the, you know, the users that are a little bit more comfortable with holding their own keys. If you're brand new listening to this and you've got like $100 in, I don't know, let's say Coinbase or Cash App, honestly, don't freak out, please. It's, it's, not, it's not worth the neural energy to go on a tirade about, oh my God, I got to buy a $100 wallet so I can secure a $100 worth of Bitcoin. Don't, just relax. It's okay. When you get nervous about that, that's, that's when you start thinking possibly about getting a cold card, which is a really great hardware wallet, right? But you know, until that time, until you really get like, do I really, the wallet costs 150 or whatever. And I got 75 bucks in cash app. Dude, don't stop freaking out. But for those of you who have substantially more than that, and you are nervous and you are in a hardware wallet, it, this isn't the worst advice in the world. How old is your private frame, your private keys? How old is the private phrase that generated them? You know, the, the key phrase that generated them. How old is it? How vigilant have we been? Maybe it's time to think about, especially in times like this, 
when the mempools are clearing around the world and transaction fees are low. This is the time to, to migrate your shit to another wallet. But if you do it out of a place of fear, you will fuck up. I guarantee it. You will fuck straight up. Sorry, phone's ringing. I just had to turn that off. Um, because fear makes you do things like skip steps. Fear makes you not as vigilant as you should probably be. So when you get to a place that you've stopped shitting your pants about this entire hack of, of ether, which I could literally not give a shit about, if MetaMask is involved, it's no wonder any of this crap is happening. It's probably all MetaMask's fault, fault to begin with because they're horribly have been and always will be a terrible wallet solution under all circumstances. And if you've connected to it at all with anything even remotely resembling private keys, chances are good they got leaked by MetaMask themselves. And some of the chicanery that I've seen in the Ethereum ecosystem, it wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't the MetaMask founders that were stealing the money in the first place, but I got no proof, so I can't make that accusation. In either event, don't do this kind of thing where you're tra changing, like you're sending all your Bitcoin from one wallet to a different wallet. Um, don't do that if you are not in of sound mind and body, right? Take this, be careful doing that kind of thing. But it does not mean that this isn't possibly a, a, some good advice. And then what do we got here? I got... Oh, MICA will mark the end of the crypto wild west, according to EU lawmakers. I chuckle, but let's do it anyway. Alice Key writes it for Decrypt. European Union lawmakers say that new regulations on cryptocurrency in the region will end the industry's wild west era and restore trust following the high-profile collapses of last year. Bullshit. Markets in crypto assets, or MICA, will go to a vote at the European Parliament in Strasbourg tomorrow. Right? MICA's being voted on tomorrow, guys. That's why I'm giving you this. Marking a major milestone in the proposal's passage into law ahead of the vote. Parliamentarians debated the merits of the package in the chamber today with several hailing the introduction of a legal framework as a major step forward in the block. Ernest, what is it? Yeah, Ernest Ertison, a Spanish member of parliament, of the European parliament, by the way, who was one of the members tasked with putting together the legislation said Micah would, quote, mark the end of the Wild West era for the unregulated world of crypto assets. Yeah, my node has something to say about that, motherfucker. Quote, for over a decade, the lack of regulation has resulted in massive losses of many first-time investors and provided a safe haven for fraudsters and international criminal networks. Yeah, because everybody in the world's a criminal, except for you, right? MICA represents an important and necessary first step to bring the crypto sector under regulatory oversight so that we can steal from it ourselves. Stefan Berger, the German MEP, who was the lead architect of the regulation, said it would put the EU at the forefront of the token economy. <laughs> you realize how bad that sounds? Like a token black guy in your, in your television show. Is the token woman on your staff? That's not a good thing to say. Token economy. Yeah, no shit, dude. Anyway, the forefront of the token economy, and, and it would restore the trust that was damaged by the FTX case. 
several other members speaking in support of MICA also mentioned the catastrophic collapse of FTX. Financial Commissioner Milog McGuinness even said that had FTX been under EU jurisdiction, many of its practices would not have been permissible and pointed to rules within MICA which require companies to disclose conflicts of interest and not use client funds. While around a dozen parliamentarians voiced their support for the proposal, there was also some dissent and pushback. Irish MEP Chris McManus said he backed MICA because of its emphasis on transparency and consumer protection, but that his own opinion of crypto is not high. Quote, I have no interest in creating a market in or fostering the use of crypto assets, he said. At their worst, their pyramid schemes are used by criminal gangs for money laundering and are defrauding working people and they can waste huge amounts of energy for no purpose, end quote. Pausing right there to say the following. This is how I know that Irish member of European Parliament, Chris McManus, is the person that you need to watch out for. He's the person that wants to control your bank account. He's the person that wants to make sure that you spend your money only on what he says you can spend your money on. He's the worst part of this. How do I know? Do I know any of Chris McManus's background? Do I know his history? Do I know anything about him literally at all? No, the answer is no. And I don't need to because when somebody says this shit at their worst, their pyramid schemes and are used by criminal gangs for money laundering and defrauding and waste huge amounts of energy, that's the red flag. That's all I need to see. And I know exactly who he's working for. I know exactly what he wants. And I don't need to know anything about him. Let's continue. Meanwhile, the Dutch MEP, Paul Tang, compared crypto to an episode in his own country's history. The tulip craze of 1637, an early financial market bubble. Quote, the bubble burst. Savers and speculators and investors were left in ruins. The similarities with crypto are stark. Nobody knows what to use them for, but they are the next hot thing, end quote. However, he concluded that tulips are now part of Dutch culture and said that perhaps crypto could achieve the same thing one day. Objections were also raised by Gunnar Beck, a German MEP who said the EU was criminalizing decentralized finance and its users by requiring more transactions to be reported to relevant authorities. Quote, the EU is establishing a total financial surveillance state. Pausing to say, now I know that Gunnar Beck is most likely one of us. Most likely the guy that doesn't want to tell you if you can buy that second six pack of beer at the Safeway. He's probably not the guy that wants to tell you that you've used up your carbon credits, so no more beef for you. Have a pile of bugs. I'm serious. That's the green flag. We have them in we have them in Bitcoin. Red days like today, we buy Bitcoin and we hold Bitcoin. Green days, we buy Bitcoin and we hold Bitcoin. However, in this case, the red flag versus the green flag mean two completely opposite ends of the fucking spectrum. Gunnar seems to be somebody who's reasonable. Gunnar seems to be somebody who I might be able to be friends with and have a beer with. And God knows I would love a really high quality German beer right now because Eastern Washington doesn't have any, or at least not in the supermarkets. I'm going to have to go up to... Um, What's the name of that town? Leavenworth. Leavenworth, Washington. Drove through it. 
oh my God, I've got to go to this place because I am a fiend when it comes to German beers and German food, even though that I've never been to Germany and I don't purport to actually have any German descendants or uh, uh, not descended from any Germans. However, that may happen because you know, I'm a whitey. At one point or another, my descendants were European, so maybe there's some German in there. But for some reason, throw me some freaking bratwurst or some uh, sauerkraut, spetzel, a Jaeger, uh, Jaeger schnitzel, Wiener schnitzel, mushroom hunter sauces, and like German white beers or Hefeweizens. Dude, you do that shit for me. I'm your friend for fucking life. And Leavenworth is nothing but a wall-to-wall German town. It's not populated by Germans, although I'm sure that at one point it was solid German-German from wall-to-wall, but it's like the whole town is built like a German village. It's a tourist spot, I know, but at least I know where I can finally go get some German food. It's not terribly far away. I think it's about two and a half hours from here in either event. Good for you, Gunnar Beck. Let's continue this. Many MEPs spoke for the need to keep the regulation relevant and to avoid falling behind technological developments. Quote, Europe missed the innovation train when it came to the internet, said Portugal's Lydia Pereira. Yeah, whatever. It is not sufficient now to just catch the train. We have to be the drivers of this new era. Good luck. If passed by the parliament tomorrow, MICA will receive final approval from the European Council in May before being officially published. Its rules regarding stablecoins will come into force in July of next year, but providers will have more time to get up to speed with some other requirements which won't come until January of 2025. So the gist of the story is what? MICA is being voted on tomorrow. If you're one of my European friends, this shit is right on your doorstep. What are you going to do about it? My suggestion is this. If you have anything to do with anything that MICA has something to do with, except Bitcoin, get out. If you're a stablecoin holder, punch out of it by using to buy Bitcoin. If you got, God forbid, shitcoin 1 through 25, Market sell them right now directly for Bitcoin. Don't even, don't go to stablecoin, go directly into Bitcoin. Then step two, after you are 100% out of everything but Bitcoin, get yourself situated with a good hardware wallet. If you haven't already, hopefully you have, but if you haven't, Sell everything that's not Bitcoin directly into Bitcoin itself and make sure that you are the only one that controls the private keys. Or or if you're nervous about that, hit up the dudes over at Unchained Capital for collaborative custody. They'll help you do that. I won't say anything more about it, but they'll hold a key. You hold a key and then you guys can find somebody else to hold the third key. You got a two of three multi-sig. If you feel better that way, go ahead that's not a bad way to go at all. But Unchained Capital is is the people that you want to go to to talk about that. The reason I say Bitcoin only here is that MICA is really going to be like the SEC and the CFTC in the United States. They have no end of the fields of shit coinery that they can harvest first. And they will harvest them first. Why? Because people are lazy. 
They will take the easiest job. And the easiest job in the world is shit coinery. Stable coins. Because they all have banking partners. If you hold your own keys to nothing but Bitcoin, then you can interact directly with me from your node to my node and you can buy whatever service or good that I happen to think that I think you need. And we start the circular economy. Is it going to happen overnight? Of course not. Is it going to be painful? Of course it is. Is it going to suck? Yeah, probably. The real question beyond all that is, is it worth it? What makes it worth it? Is it your children? Is it your own future? Is it that you're looking for a brighter world for your great, great, great grandchildren to live in? Who knows? That can only be answered by you. But it is time that we take off the diapers and stop being coddled and do the things that we need to do, even though they might not directly benefit us. And I always go to the allegory of the tree. When you plant a tree as an old man, you will never, ever enjoy sitting under the shade of the very thing that you built. The tree, in this case, you planted a tree. Sure, you didn't put the cellular you know, machinery together. Sure, you're not responsible for it having the spark of life, but you planted it. And you will never see a day in which you can sit under the shade of that tree. That's as an old man, 70. But your children will. And your children's children certainly will. Children's children probably be able to hang a swing from that son of a bitch and have fun. What is it about our limited existence on this planet that drives greed? Greed for our time, greed in the form of impatience. That we will not do things. Refuse to plant a tree because you will not sit under the shade and you are a buffoon. Refuse to not engage with Bitcoin for the future so that your children may not know or your children's children or your children's children's children may not experience that which we are witnessing right now, which is, and this, what all you're seeing They've been practicing the fucking clown show and the dumpster fire and everything else that you can say about the world right now. That's all been practiced behind the scenes. They are just now ripping your tickets and getting the customers into their seats so that they can fully witness the actual clown show and dumpster fire. But this shit's been going on in the big tent all day long. Read that as the last hundred years. They've been practicing their moves. They've been, you know, hanging from the high wires. They've been doing their trapeze act. They've been making sure that they don't set their clown wigs on fire when they're juggling fire sticks, right? They've been doing all that for a hundred years. It is just now that the guy in the top hat and fucking monocle comes out and holds the tent door open and says, we are now ready for the show. But if you think that this shit hasn't been completely rehearsed and completely directed and completely written for the last hundred years, you're fooling yourself. And now you're getting a taste of what the show actually is. And here we are saying, oh my God, I can't believe it's this bad. And yet if you will sit there and you will continue to be the good little boy and girl that you are, 
and think that Micah is the right way to go and that these people have your best interest in mind and you're just going to go with the flow because it's easier that way, then all you're really doing is waiting for death and you're not actually alive. I mean, I hate to put it to you that way, but the people that are actually, if you look at the people, Ernest Hemingway, it wasn't exactly a rich man as far as monetary wealth is concerned. You'll, we'll never forget his name, most likely. It probably takes centuries if we do, but for centuries, people will know Ernest Hemingway. Have you, do you know anything about Ernest Hemingway's life? How he lived? What he did? Might want to look into that shit. Edgar Allan Poe, not exactly a rich man. Van Gogh, crazy as a bedbug and poor as a barn mouse. And it's not about name recognition over the centuries. It's what you create. It's what it's the time that you give over to yourself and what you think needs to be done rather than giving it over to somebody else for in exchange for a paycheck because that's just a chain. And if you need a if you need a can of Brasso to polish those nice shiny chains so that you your chains are more shiny than the other guy and you can read that as I drive a Lambo, you drive a Volkswagen, I'm richer than you. Ha ha. You know what that is? Shinier chains. And if you want to spend your goddamn day scrubbing your chains with fucking Brasso, you go right ahead. Otherwise, every single person that I just read about in this Micah thing, along with Gary Gensler and the SEC and the CFTC and the IMF and the World Economic Foundation and Klaus Schwab and all the rest of these fucking assholes, I, I don't... I don't want to live this way anymore. I don't want to see it anymore. And yet, here's what I know is a fact. I'm going to go to my grave, no matter how long I live, inside the big tent, being forced to watch this clown show. And my only hope is the trees that I plant will shade my children and my children's children from the immense amount of bird shit falling from the skies above. That's it. It sound, sure, it could sound bleak, but really, is it not bleak to just want to get by until you die? Is that not bleaker? Again, if you don't know anything about Ernest Hemingway's life, I highly recommend that you go look him up. Just just read the Wikipedia Wikipedia page. Even if you don't like Wikipedia, it's got most of the stuff in there. It's kind of mostly correct. And it doesn't it won't take you very long to go, holy shit. This is a, this is like best selling author. You, know, you might want to think about that shit again. Best selling versus best known, completely different deal. If you're gonna shine something. Shine the blades of the bolt cutters that you will not use yourselves, but your children will use. So you give it to them and they will give it to their kids. And eventually we won't even need bolt cutters. But if we don't do something and now is the time, then my children are going to have to go to the clown show and their kids are going to have to go to the clown show. And it's not worth the price of admission. It just isn't. So you think about that. Gonna dispense with the joke. 
because it doesn't make sense. And I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.